Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I've compiled something equal parts fun and frightening, just for you. Now we run the gamut with tonight's stories. We'll do our best to explore every nook and cranny of the paranormal world. From creatures, ghosts, and UFOs, to out-of-place animals, and an odd hairy hominid. And it's with the latter that we begin this evening. So please, welcome Joey from the Buckeye State of Ohio to the program. Hey there. I just wanted to call in with a quick little story that happened to me last year, so it would have been probably late summer of 2019. Um, I guess I should say uh, my name's Joey, and I'm from Ohio. Me and my roommates were camping, kind of in the way furthest back, most secluded site that the camp had. And our site was at the mouth of a hiking trail. And we had the tent set up kind of like adjacent to the trail, and then we had our campfire in the middle, so that only the mouth of the trail was illuminated by the light. It was dark, it was probably... 11, 12, so it was pitch black outside except for our campfire and, you know, a few stars. My two roommates went to the bathroom, and I was sitting there, you know, watching the fire. And I kept getting this sense that I was being watched. And uh, the way I was sitting, I kind of had my back slightly turned to the mouth of it. So I, I glanced over my shoulder, and I saw a small, like, not really small, but like I'd say... About the size of like a 10 year old child, roughly would be, figure standing. And you know, the mouth of the trail was, was dark, but then this was darker than that. And I've, I've always been sort of like in tune with emotions and feelings and like people's, I guess you could say, auras. And I got the sense from this that it was a little girl, but I also got the sense from it that it wasn't quite human. And so this happened a couple times, you know, I'd see it and then it would like move, but it would move silently. Like, I, I think there was rustling maybe a couple times, like it was moving. Eventually my one roommate gets back from the restroom and we're talking and I hear the rustling and we both look over and they see it too. And so I, I don't know if this was a little girl from another campsite dressed in all black for some reason or, you know, just, like, dark clothes, or if you saw 
I, I have no idea. In my in my mind afterwards, I was like, did I see a, a juvenile female Bigfoot? I mean, I know that's probably a stretch, but at the same time, why would a little girl from another campsite come all the way, you know, a mile down this trail just to sit in the pitch blackness at the edge of our campsite? I don't know. Love the podcast. Love the show. Love all of it. Love your suggestions for, you know, reasonable explanations, all that kind of stuff. Keep up the great work. I'll probably call back again. I have a lot of stories, so I'll probably talk to you again. Bye. Thank you, Joey. Now, believe it or not, I've actually heard people criticize the fact that some have reported seeing juvenile big feet. But if you really think about it, if these creatures really do exist, then there must be Sasquatl of all ages. Unless, of course, you're a subscriber to the theory that Bigfoot is more supernatural than natural. But that's a discussion for another time. Now, if you really think about the creature as a wild animal, you have to imagine that sightings should reflect a variety of sizes and or ages. And good news for all those believers out there. There certainly seems to be a variety reported, from the mature adults, which seem to be most common, to the aging or elderly, represented by your typical grain or balding Bigfoot. And of course, like Joey's story, the youngsters. A quick internet search will provide you with dozens of shaky videos and blurry photos. Images of casts made from tracks of these miniature monsters. And you'll also find tons of eyewitness testimony. Testimony like this story out of the state of Oklahoma. Courtesy of the YouTube channel, Bigfoot and More. Okay, now this one here says, my name is, I'm going to leave that out. I lived in southeast Oklahoma from 1985 until 1999. So this happened late August or early September 1993. They said the time was about 4 a.m. in the morning. This person says, my best friend and I had been to a party near Wetumpka, and that's in the northern part of Hughes County, for those uh, not familiar with Oklahoma. said, I was the designated driver for the evening, so I was not drinking and was completely sober. My best friend and I were in her 68 Mustang. We were driving westbound on Highway 9, going back to our dorm rooms in Seminole. We were somewhere between Wetumpka and the Wewoka exit. She says, uh, a thing quote, ran across the road on two legs. She said this creature had medium-length dark hair, but it was not eight or ten feet tall, like, you know, people often report Bigfoot as being. I mean, she said it was probably four feet tall, and it ran rather swiftly, slower than a deer, but faster than a human. She said this thing did not look at the car. It just kept running swiftly across the road and says it took about 30 seconds or so for the incident to register in her mind, said turn to her uh, friend and asked, did you see that? To which her friend replied, I don't know what it was. And wouldn't you know it, Baby Bigfoot has even infiltrated reality TV. As you can hear in this clip from Animal Planet's Finding Bigfoot. Well, tell us about what happened that night. The leaves were just coming onto the trees. It was really early spring. I was looking for my horse. I heard a rustle in the brush over here. So I stopped and I whistled for my horse. <whistles> Up in this tree, I saw a figure that was just sitting there. And I'll never forget the way that it dropped. 
it dropped in a vertical position with two feet towards the ground and two arms stretched up towards the sky. And its arms, when its it arms the ground, were went straight down. up. Its arms went down as soon as it hit the ground and it booked right into that brush. There's no possible way it could have been anything else. So Brooks, you said when it dropped out of the tree, was it three and a half, four foot tall? It's probably, yeah, close to four foot. Now that sighting took place in the Ozark Mountains. And of course, there is the famous footage out of New York State that seems to show a very young Sasquatch, or possibly a monkey, jumping around a tree. I've added a link to that video in tonight's show notes at Monsters Among Us podcast forward slash show notes. Now I'll leave this story on this note. It's worth pointing out that the location of each of these examples, Ohio, Oklahoma, the Ozarks, and New York State are all well-known and celebrated Bigfoot hotspots. So take that for what it's worth, and thanks again, Joey, for sharing your tale. Well, tonight's next eerie entry resonates out of one of those before-mentioned states. Please welcome Taylor from the state of New York to the program. Hello, this is Taylor, and my story happened about Three months ago, I guess it was, uh, what would that be, April in 2020, and I'm a truck driver. I was on my way to, uh, after my delivery in Monticello, New York, was the delivery, and I came back the same route. It was on Route 42, heading towards Port Jarvis, New York, which is on the triad of the three states, and... Just as I was halfway down Route 42, a very average, not super winding, not super anything kind of road, it was just very uh, rural. On the side of the road, there was a black and white girl with uh, shoulder length curly hair. She had, uh, and this was at 2 a.m., 2.30 in the morning as I'm driving down the road. She was all alone and what I mean black and white was it looked real that it could move and I saw it hands move it was holding an etch-a-sketch the age of the girl was approximately eight years old her hair was basically chestnut brown she was sitting with her legs in a pattern and I think she had a little doll her eyes looked brown but like I said it was 2.30 at night and all I had was my truck lights and you know it looked so real it wasn't cardboard looking or anything and I have no idea what brought that on I wasn't thinking of any children I wasn't thinking of any relatives I was just trying to get off the road enjoying the scenery in a dark spring at 2.30 in the morning at night it didn't scare me it didn't talk it kind of disappeared in the mirror as I passed by. I didn't try and stop because it it had the uh, expression on her face. The expression was basically restful, peaceful. It wasn't in any harm, so I just kept going. Thank you. That's the end of my story, and I'll try and call again sometime. Thanks, Taylor. Creepy. When I hear a story like this, I think of a few different things. One, could the child have been lost or abandoned? I realize hindsight is 2020, but perhaps a call to a police station, or at the very least a glance at local missing people reports, should probably have been done. 
My other thought was a little more sinister. Was this little girl somehow bait? Some good-hearted and unaware Samaritan pulls over to offer aid to this child, only to find several adults emerge from the bushes, and at best, they take your wallet or car. And finally, that leads us to my final hypothesis. Could this poor girl have been a victim of an accident in that very area? Maybe a search of local police blotters or death records can tell us if a girl matching that description was killed there. That could certainly explain what Taylor saw that evening. So I guess it's all a bit of a catch-22. Drive on by and leave a child in need, alone in the darkness. Or stop and help, hoping you won't get murdered. Or even worse, haunted. Thanks again, Taylor. Oh, and I should mention, the Etch-A-Sketch is a odd detail. Now, I know the holidays are fast approaching, and gift-giving is a bit of a challenge this year. But Monsters Among Us is here to help and spread some cheer. We've been busting our butts, and mostly it's been Sarah, trying to get new beanies and a restock of some of our old favorite t-shirt designs. Well, it's finally paying off. The t-shirts are already here, and I believe the hats show up today. So, fingers crossed, this should all be listed here in the next day or so. We will do our very best to get each and every order out as quickly as possible, hopefully in time to get it there by Christmas. But don't hesitate. Supplies in time are running out. Visit the website and click on the shop tab for more details. Now up next, we venture to western Pennsylvania, where Christy has a harrowing story about her workplace haunt. Hi, Derek. This is Christy from right outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Go Steelers. Sorry if you're still a Browns fan. This is, I, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if I really did what I did, but I just thought I'd share it with you. I was a waitress back in the early 2000s at a converted barn, as in they had bought a barn and converted it into a restaurant. And this barn was over 100 years old. I had to spend a lot of time there by myself in the evening because I was the waitress that always wanted to take the late tables because, you know, that's what I was there to do, was to make money. And because it was a converted barn, there were two lofts. So there was the main dining room floor and then two lofts, just like old barn lofts. And that was back when we sold smoking sections. So, as always, I took the last tables of the night, and I was cleaning up and taking some glasses back to the bar and washing those for the bartender because, of course, he'd already gone for the night. And up behind a lot of bars, there was a mirror. And I was standing there just washing things off, and I saw this very bright flash of light. And I didn't really think anything of it. I turned to look behind me, and I saw a woman with dark hair up in a bun and a long white skirt and a blouse heading towards the ladies' bathrooms. Again, I didn't think anything of it because one of my coworkers looked very much like that. She had dark hair and a bun. So I called down to the our administrative offices along with the kitchen were downstairs from there. So I called down and I said, hey, do you want to tell Leah to come up and grab these last dishes and then I'll vacuum? And when I called down, Leah had left 
several hours before that, and my bosses were laughing, and they said, oh, you saw Nancy. So apparently this apparition had been seen there many, many times. A lady in a blouse and a long skirt with black hair, and I saw her that night, which I guess. But that's not exactly terrifying, but it is my experience, and I thought you'd like to hear it. Thank you again. A huge fan of yours from southwestern Pennsylvania, right outside Pittsburgh. Thank you, Derek. Oh, Christy. I was never a Browns fan. Who day? Who day? Either way, thank you for the entry. I'm convinced that one of the requirements for a good restaurant is a spirit or two. If you don't believe me, go to your nearest local restaurant, after the lockdowns are lifted, of course, and ask your server if he or she has experienced anything strange while working there. I'll tell you, chances are pretty good that they'll have some sort of story to share. Now, I don't know if it's the energy of the clientele or the location of these eateries, or if something else causes these strange happenings, but something odd certainly seems to be going on in our favorite haunted hasheries. So thanks again, Christy, for sharing your experience. Now, if you're like Christy and you have an experience you would like to share, you can call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or you can record an audio version on your cell phone and shoot me an email at mauwrittensubmissions at gmail.com. I'm accepting all true paranormal stories, but don't forget I'm looking for your hometown legends and water stories. And since Christmas is right around the corner, if you have a holiday-themed story, call that in and I'll see if I can't put together enough for a little holiday episode. Now our next nightmarish narrative was submitted via Ashley in the Lone Star State of Texas. Hi Derek, my name's Ashley and I live in Dallas, Texas, but I'm calling because my mom has apparently experienced several things and she never really talked about it until recently. So what she experienced happened in a small town named Brownwood, Texas, which is about central Texas. She told me that when she was about 13, they had just moved to this house, which is actually maybe two blocks away from my childhood home. So when she was 13, they lived in this house and in her room, she always kind of got this uneasy feeling. She didn't really know why, but she had this urge to sleep with her closet doors closed. And the way her room was set up, her bed was facing parallel to the closet doors across the opposite side of the room. So when she slept, she always slept with her back toward the closet doors with the closet doors closed. Well, this one particular night, she woke up, felt like a hot breath on, her, on the back of her neck, and she ignored it. But then it happened more, I guess, aggressively, and it really woke her up. And when she turned over, her closet 
doors were open and all she saw were two bright red eyes staring at her and she said she could just feel the hatred coming from those eyes she was completely frozen with fear she eventually worked up the courage to run past her closet doors to her doorway and into her mom's room she could barely get out the words of what had just happened she finally told her mother and her mother's boyfriend what she saw they got up and didn't see anything in her room she had no explanation they tried to make her think that she was just dreaming but my mom was adamant she said no there was something in my closet and at the time she thought well maybe i didn't close my my closet doors tonight maybe i left them open she was starting to second guess herself she slept in the living room for a long time because she didn't want to sleep in her own room and eventually her mom talked her back into sleeping in her room and kind of made her question you know did i see it was i dreaming you know So she eventually slept in her room again, but she made sure to close her closet door. And that very same night, the first night back in her room, she woke up to the exact same thing. Hot breath. She rolled over. Her closet doors were wide open, and she saw the bright red eyes again. So after that, her parents believed her, and they moved out. Well, as they were moving out... Her mom was asking questions, you know, to the neighbors, and they told her that a really, really mean, hateful old lady died in my mom's room in that house prior to them moving in. So, that's her story. Um, She told me that story uh, recently when she came to visit, and she's always kind of believed in the paranormal, but never really told us why probably because she knew that we would be too scared for that sort of thing. She said she's had several paranormal experiences, and I'm just thankful that I have never had any experience like that. But I wanted to call it in, and I think I remember hearing another story similar to my mom's story, which, you know, that's all these usually start. You hear a story similar, and then you want to call yours in. So I just want to say thank you for your amazing podcast i listen to it at work just like everybody else thank you so much have a have a good day thank you ashley what is the deal with closets so many scary nighttime experiences seem to revolve around spaces like closets wardrobes or even under the bed now i suppose it could all be attributed to an instinctual childhood fear of dark places and the dark in general But Ashley's mother was 13 at the time of the incident. And to me, that seems like an advanced age to be spooked by a simple, shadowed space. Then, of course, you have those eyes. And the fact that the activity only happened in the mother's room. And, of course, the final tie-in with the evil woman. So, in short, it's quite the story, Ashley. It, of course, raises more questions than answers. But then again... Most of the good ones do. Thanks again for sharing. Now our next entry of the evening takes us to Utah, where Brennan has a shadow person story that'll probably make your skin crawl. 
Hi, my name is Brennan. I live in Utah and I have a story that I will talk about that has to do with shadow people. And I call this particular shadow person the man at the door. The earliest memory that I have of this is when I was about 12 or 13 and I was living in the basement of my parents' house. That's where they had set up my room. And just to give you an idea of how my room was laid out, I had my bed in the corner of the bedroom, kind of next to the window well, and the door was across from the foot of my bed. And at night, I would be able to essentially get into bed and my eyes would adjust to the dark. And when I would stare at the door, there would be this shadow figure, this shadow man that basically looks like a full-grown man. You could see, or I could see his arms and his legs and, and that he had a head, but there were no, I guess, features. It was more of like a dark haze. And I would, I would just stare at him and he would slowly walk forwards towards me. And it was kind of like a slow motion walk. And he would walk towards the bottom of the bed that was closest to the door and then walk around and start moving next to the side of the bed near near my, my body and my head. And whenever I would close my eyes and open them again, he would restart at the door. And so it was kind of interesting because I could play like this game of chicken with this man at the door. And I would stare at him and I would let him get only so far before I started getting freaked out. And then I'd close my eyes again. And then I would be able to open them back up and he'd be reset at the door. The closest I ever let him get was maybe a quarter to halfway up the side of my bed before it, it freaked me out too bad. But because I always knew that he would reset at the door, I had no problem like falling asleep or going to bed. I knew as long as my eyes were closed, he wouldn't be near me. <laughs> and... So a couple years later, I, I bet I was around 19 or 20. My aunt had come over to stay with us and we were talking about supernatural things in the kitchen. And I had mentioned, oh, there's this man at the door that, you know, you can see. And the rest of my family was like, oh, ha, 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 that's so funny. And my aunt was like, no, I've totally had the same thing. Like I've seen him and she described to me her experience. And it was exactly the same that he would reset at the door as soon as you closed your eyes and you would stare at him and he'd walk toward you, which I thought was really interesting that another family member could corroborate my story. And I haven't really been able to experience the man at the door. I mean, right now my bed is kind of close to the door of my room. And so I'm always afraid to look and I, I don't want to like... <laughs> I don't know. It still freaks me out a little bit, but that is one of my, my supernatural experiences that I've had. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Brennan. Here we are again. Another 13 year old being spooked by some kind of nighttime visitor. And this one is a little more intense. Well, put yourself in Brennan's shoes. How close would you allow the entity to get? You know, growing up, I, probably would have done the same as Brennan. I would have thought I was brave and let it get closer and closer, but never too close. But now, I'll tell you what, I'll let that thing take me away if that's what it comes to. I'm getting some answers either way. Now, I should point out that there are some researchers out there that claim that some paranormal activity 
more specifically, poltergeist activity, can be caused by adolescent children. Though it's typically reported with young girls, in rare cases, boys have seemed to have been affected as well. Now, there have even been a few papers written on the subject, and I've actually dug one up and linked to it in tonight's show notes. This one is out of Cornell University and explores the link between adolescence and that strange activity. Now, I'll be frank, it's a tough read that my brain isn't exactly wired for, but I know some of you ghost nerds out there will absolutely love it. So either way, thanks again, Brennan, for the entry. It has to be a bit of a relief that your aunt collaborated your report, but I suppose that justification also means it wasn't just your imagination, which I'm sure is a much scarier thought. Now speaking of scary thoughts, if you need more thought-provoking stories, please consider joining our Patreon campaign. $4 a month will get you access to dozens of previously posted episodes and access to at least one new episode a month. Not to mention options for ad-free episodes, exclusive bonus material, and my sleep aid theater, Nights with Edgar Allan Poe. All can be found at patreon.com forward slash Monsters Among Us podcast. Next up on our list of entries, we venture to the East Coast. North Carolina to be Pacific. Atlantic. Sorry, specific. Please join me in welcoming Keith to the line. Hey, this is Keith, and I've got a story from North Carolina. In 2016, my family and I were living at a summer camp near Boone, North Carolina, and it was October. It was a crisp bluebird day, and my parents had come to visit us at this picturesque location for the weekend and we were walking along a gravel road near an old orchard and the orchard itself had two pastures on either side and there were apples that they'd grown there for about 200 years. We were walking along in between these two pastures, one on the left and one on the right, and my four-year-old son at the time said, Daddy, what's that? And he pointed up into the top of the pasture on the left. And now this apple orchard, it had been left for probably 20 years at this point. So it was in relative abandonment. And we looked up and we're thinking, oh, yeah, it's an apple orchard, you know. Well, it turns out that he had seen in the sky some lights. And they were, they were kind of bizarre. My dad was with me. And he saw them, too. And so my dad and I proceeded to move toward this apple orchard up on this hill to observe the lights. And they appeared to be uh, metallic and swirling in the air, almost as if there was a vortex of some sort, or like a whirlwind or a dust devil, almost. And like I said, it was a crisp bluebird day, and these metallic lights kept whirlwinding and vortexing up through the air, starting out probably about 12, 15 feet above the ground, and they just moved on up into the air a little further up, so they were a couple hundred feet up, and the whole time we're walking closer towards them, looking at them, trying to figure out what's going on. Both my dad and I are trained observers, so we're moving quickly to this location to figure out what it is we're seeing. You know, we don't know. We're just trying to stay calm and see what it is. And by the time it got really high up in the sky, it looked almost like a shiny school of fish, except it didn't appear to be moving outside of this vortex pattern. And it proceeded to probably fly up to about four or 500 feet above where we first saw it 
And then we watched it as it moved off across about a mile up over this ridge that overlooks this piece of property that we were on. And the entire time, we had no idea what we were looking at. And so, you know, we're thinking, oh, it's probably birds or starlings, or, you know, we're trying to find some explanation for it. And he and I are both very skeptical. But to this day, we can't really come up with a good explanation. The best I can do is maybe somebody left, like, maybe an emergency blanket in the grass or something, and then, like, a Lombard hit it a couple hundred times. And then this dust devil just took it and took it off. But... Other than that, I can't come up with a good explanation for what I saw. I'm wondering if any of your listeners have seen anything similar to this. Yeah, I hope you can use this. Thanks, Keith. From the sounds of things, this sighting might fall under the strange category of biological UFOs. We've briefly touched on this purported phenomena before, with sky snakes, worms, jellyfish, and even a case of dragons. And if I'm honest... All of this talk of unidentified floating biological entities, or UFBEs, as I just made up, I'm reminded of a case that was aptly nicknamed the Gargantuan Gliders. I first learned of this story via the boys at Cryptonaut Podcast, and they were kind enough to allow me to share the following report. Back in 1925, an amateur pilot named Don Wood Jr. and three other pilots were flying World War I aircraft over the deserts of Nevada, virtually exploring the area by air for the first time. The account is recorded in the following letter from Wood Jr. that was posted in the October 1959 edition of the periodical Flying Saucers. I must write you of what happened to me in 1925, which I think solves most UFO reports. I have never told this to anyone, but can get signed affidavit if needed. Four of us were flying old Jennies, with 0x5 motors. Now, the 0x5 was a V8 liquid-cooled aircraft engine built by the Curtis Airplane and Motor Company. We were flying over the Nevada desert. One plane was a two-seater, the one I was in. We landed on a flat mesa near Battle Mountain, Nevada. The mesa is about 5,000 square feet, and the walls are too steep to climb unless a lot of work is done. We wanted to see what was on top of this flat place. We landed at 1 p.m. While walking about the top of this place, we noticed something coming in for a landing. It was about 8 feet across and was round and flat like a saucer. The undersides were a reddish color. It skidded to a stop about 30 feet away. This next you won't believe, and I don't care, but it's the truth. We walked up to this thing, and it was some animal like we'd never seen before. It was hurt and as it breathed, the top would rise and fall, making a half-foot hole all around it like a clam opening and closing. Quite a hunk had been chewed out of one side of this rim, and a sort of metal-looking froth issued. When it saw us, it breathed frantically and rose up only a few inches, only to fall back to earth again. It was moist and glistened on the top side. We could see no eyes or legs. After about 20 minutes rest, it started pulsating once more. We stayed 10 feet away or so. And so help me, the thing grew as bright as all get out, except for where it was hurt. It had a mica-like shell body, and it tried to rise up again, but sank again. Then we saw a large, round shadow fall on us. We looked up and ran. Coming in was a much larger animal, 30 feet across. 
It paid no attention to us, but settled itself over the small one. Four sucker-like tongues settled on the little one, and the big one got so dazzling bright you couldn't look at it. Both rose straight up and were out of sight in a second. They must have been traveling a thousand miles an hour to get so high so fast. When we walked over, there was an awful stench, and the frothy stuff the little one had bled looked like fine aluminum wire. There was more frothy, wiry stuff in a 30-foot circle where the big one had breathed. The stuff finally melted in the sun and we took off. So help me, this was an animal. I have never told this before as we knew no one would believe us. Only right now because this animal would be one big 30-foot light if seen at night. I don't expect belief, but I simply had to write. Please, don't use my name. I'm still flying. And I'll tell you, up until yesterday, I would have thought that this was simply a fun, fascinating, yet sadly fabricated story by some sort of roughneck Red Baron. But just last night, Sarah and I watched the first episode of a series on Netflix called Alien Worlds. Now, in that episode, they explored a fictional planet constructed by a team of experts that depicted what real alien life might be like. Now, the main creature in this world, I believe they referred to as Atlas, was a six-winged herbivore that lived its entire life in the sky. Suddenly, this idea wasn't so far-fetched. So let me drop a scenario on you real quick. Let's say creatures like what Roy Wood Jr. reported encountering really existed. Regular animals living their entire existence above the deserts of the Southwest. Now eventually, as we began to settle this hostile environment, we somehow unbalanced the natural order, causing these things to go extinct before we ever knew they existed. As wild and imaginative as this theory is, it does very little to explain what Keith and his kin experienced. So maybe a listener can fill us in on what we're missing. So thanks again, Keith, for sharing. Oh, and I dropped a trailer of Alien Worlds in the show notes. You can catch a glimpse of the strange floating creature there. It's the pink-looking thing with six triangle wings. Okay, real quick, guys. Be sure to visit our social media pages if you get a chance. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit. And while you're at it, please rate and review the show on your platform of choice. And if that option is not available, tell a friend about the show. Or become a super fan and do both. Either way, please do what you can to help make the show grow. There's no production team or company behind this thing. Just a weird dude in his basement. I should say a huge thank you to everyone that's already helping out. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the final entry of the evening. And I've saved a wild one for last. So without further hesitation, please welcome Mark from Colorado to the program. Hey, Derek. My name is Mark. I live in Colorado now, but uh, the story happened about 1990, toward the end, fall of 1990. My fiancé and I, we lived in Bowie, Maryland, goat man land, and we were going to go backpacking, an overnight backpacking trip up to the to the Blue Ridge Mountains near uh, Appalachian Trail. True story. Uh, 
I don't believe in Bigfoot. I don't believe in UFOs, any of that. I've been at a backpacker most of my life, most of my adult life. Never seen anything crazy out of the ordinary that I couldn't explain. This, this is crazy and very much out of the ordinary. So, end of the day, get in our truck. We drive up to Skyline Drive. We go to the ranger station. We have our dog with us, a black Belgian shepherd. Go to the ranger station. We buy a fire permit, get a camping permit, and get a, a little map. We wanted to hike near where there was water that we could filter and also uh, the, the beautiful view. So, story. We go to the trailhead, we unload our stuff, freeze-dried food, we get to hiking. We're following this map that the ranger had laid out for us, basically. So we're hiking and hiking, and we seemed like we were hiking a really long way. As we hiked along the trail, the trail kind of petered out into a, like a, an old, overgrown two-track road. I uh, don't know which direction we were going, but couldn't find the, the water, waterfall, the creek, nothing. So we uh, we decided to set up our little campsite, set up the tent. So we find a little spot there, off the beaten path, and uh, set up our, our campsite. Nothing odd about that. So we cook dinner, lay down for the night. It's uh, probably getting to October. The leaves had already changed and most had fallen. Our dogs kind of running around. We didn't have her on a leash or anything and kind of barking and carrying on. So we lay down, go to sleep, woke up a couple times. The dog had barked. We heard a cat, some other things, but we're way back in the woods. Finally fall asleep again. And about one o'clock in the morning, my fiance wakes me up. She shakes me awake and she says, listen to that. Off in the distance, far in the distance, we hear this sound. It sounds uh, crazy. It's like a, a, a loon, like a howling balloon with a growl at the end of it. And uh, very strange. So we're listening to this thing, and slowly this howling loon sound is coming closer and closer. And we hike actually downhill, and we're down in a little valley area amongst a bunch of trees. So not like anyone knew we were there and for long the sound was just I, I would say 50 feet away 60 feet away and you could actually hear this thing walking through the, the fallen leaves making its crazy howling sound and short time after that it, it seemed like it noticed our tent dark night we didn't have any flashlights on or anything and this thing seems like it's yelling making these horrible noises at our tent and we could hear it going around the tent and pushing on trees and breaking branches and just doing its crazy loon howl. Uh, the scariest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Now, of all my hiking, backpacking, camping, I've never seen, never experienced, never heard anything like this. The oddest thing is our dog that spends all night long seeming to want to bark and fuss around at anything outside the tent wouldn't move, wouldn't growl, wouldn't bark. I didn't know what to do. Very strange. So my fiance and I, we couldn't go back to sleep. This thing's literally outside of our tent and around our tent for a good hour. All about four o'clock in the morning, this thing starts to go back up the way it came, again, making its 
it's loon howl sound or loon growl sound. And we listened to it for probably another 45 minutes before we couldn't hear it anymore. Probably dozed off for an hour, woke up, sun was coming up. So that morning we get out of the tent. There were leaves everywhere, so you couldn't actually see tracks or prints, but you could see freshly broken, big, huge branches, trees pushed over. Uh, I, I don't know what it was. I, I would love to hear what, what your explanation might be. Again, I don't believe in Bigfoot, anything like that. This happened Skyline Drive, Maryland, Virginia Line, fall of 1990. All right, man. Love your podcast. Love the show. I'm on a road trip and just listening to a bunch of shows from you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Mark, for the entry. Let's see if we can't get to the bottom of this little mystery, or at the very least, offer up a few alternative options as to what Mark and his fiancé heard that night. First in our lineup is a monster Mark mentioned himself, the Maryland Go-Man. On a lonely country road in the American state of Maryland, a strange creature has been giving locals the fright of their lives, a beast known as the Goat-Man. For more than four decades, a creature half man, half goat has reportedly haunted the woods of Prince George's County. The goat man has been blamed for killing dogs, harassing teenagers, and according to one story, even decapitating a man. In the town of Bowie, just 40 kilometers from the nation's capital, Washington. The Beltsville Agricultural Research Center is the place many people associate with the birth of the goat man. An experiment is said to have gone wrong, and a researcher who conducted tests on goats went mad, retreating into the woods and taking on the appearance of a goat, or so the local legend goes. Now that segment is courtesy of the old TV show, Animal X. A link to the entire clip is, as always, in tonight's show notes. As much as many of us want a goat man wandering our woods, I'm afraid this option is a bit far-fetched. Not only is that legend probably just that, the Goatman is said to haunt the town of Bowie, Maryland, a good 75 miles at least from the location Mark described. So what's next? A human, perhaps? Is it possible that someone saw the tent and decided to mess with its occupants? Now while this is very possible, it doesn't seem likely. Who in their right mind would do something like that? especially for the length of time that was reported. Also, Virginia is one of those states that loves their firearms. The chances of that tent's occupants being armed are pretty good. I'd say the odds are better than some jokester hanging out in the woods. So next on my list is another beast of lore, our old friend the Sasquatch. Mark also mentions this as a plausible explanation, although I think he made it pretty clear that he's very skeptical. Well, believe it or not, if this is a Bigfoot, it wouldn't be the first time he was spotted near that area. The following clip comes courtesy of WTTG, Fox News 5, out of Washington, D.C. This was shot apparently near the Intracoastal Waterway earlier this month. Randy O'Neill says he captured the images with his cell phone while he was camping with his dad. He says he saw red eyes watching them from the woods. So he claims he fired a shotgun, heard something scream and go crashing through the trees. O'Neill says he and his father experienced a similar encounter some 25 years ago. See, 
I told you it's a good way to get shot. Now, full disclosure, the creature in this video looks just like a tree stump to me. But you guys can be the judge. Now, if you're looking for something a little more jaw-dropping, there is some famous footage out of the same area of a couple men riding up a river on ATVs when a large, hairy biped crosses in front of them. Now, the entire sequence is actually caught on grainy video. Again, check the show notes. And actually, if you do a search for Bigfoot in Virginia or Maryland, you get quite a few hits. Some vocalizations, some testimony, and even a few images. So, given the area's history, I suppose we should at least consider the big guy. And that leaves us with my final theory for this case. And wouldn't you believe it, I actually have audio of its eerie, mournful cry. But he can't see anything. <laughs> I can see his eyes. I'm going to use up the battery. Now believe it or not, that is actually the sound of a bull captured by some frightened listeners in a field over. The audio comes courtesy of Jay Vanderfam on YouTube. So given the fact that Mark and his fiancée seem to be off course... Could our experiencers have somehow wandered into some grazing lands and had a visit from a curious bull during the night? After all, they did experience a seldom-used roadway that sounds ideal for occasionally checking in on livestock with an ATV or 4x4. And just for reference, I think I'll throw this in here. The following sound is that of a common loon, the bird that Mark mentioned several times in his account. And you know, there's actually one more suspect I'd like to submit for your review. A frequent visitor to the Monsters Among Us airwaves. The Mountain Lion. WJZ is following some breaking news. A mountain lion sighting is reported in Prince George's County this afternoon. Police are on the scene now searching the area. Apparently a citizen was walking in Greenbelt Park when they spotted what looked like a mountain lion and reported it to police. They say the animal did not appear aggressive and was just walking in the park. The park is closed as a precaution, and visitors in the area are told to shelter in place. That clip is property of WJZ CBS News 13 out of Baltimore. And keep in mind, the location of these clips, save for the bull and loon, were taken within 100 miles or so of Mark's experience. So pick your pony. Who do you got? Maybe write in your own candidate. But either way, thanks again, Mark, for the great story. We appreciate you sending it in. And that's going to do it for tonight's episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And the terrifying score you hear in the background. Well, that's co.ag music and white bad audio. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe 
And until next week. Tonight's secret entry, and for those just now finding this, it's been hiding here for quite a few seasons now. Anyway, tonight's secret entry is an anonymous submission from the country of Canada. Hi, I'm calling from Cantley, Quebec, Canada. Pardon my uh, my English, it's not too good, uh, I'm, I'm French. <laughs> my story happened 10 years ago when I was 17 at a cottage that I went to with my family and a friend, and it was in val de Quebec. So it was a nice cottage on the side of the lake. So we were there with my family and uh, I brought a friend with me. Uh, my friend and I, we were playing games until probably at like one o'clock in the morning. And so we decided eventually it was late enough and we went to bed. And I chose the bed that was next to the window. The head was uh, against the window and the window was the panoramic window that you could see the lake. And my friend chose the bunk bed. So he was close to the light switch. So after a while, we settled and he said, okay, I'm going to turn off the light. So I thought, okay, all right, good night. And when he turned off the light, I was laying down and I was on my back. So I was kind of seeing the window and feeling it. It was like a uh, triangular-shaped window, the type, you know, that has that every cottage has. So it's like a big triangular window that goes all the way up to the roof. And as I was like down, it turned off the light. It took like a second, and I saw a little boy. The way he was positioned, which was very strange, it's like he was laying on the roof, uh, flat on his stomach, and he was looking in the window, through the window at me. And he was a little boy, but he was just yellow, got a glowy yellow. And and he was not scary. He just looked like a regular little boy, but glowing so I of course I freaked out I panicked I told my friend to turn on the lights and turn it on on. and uh, so he did and I was obviously shaken I told him what I saw and he said oh you must have been dreaming like well dude we just we just turned off the light how could I be sleeping and I could tell he was (laughs) obviously freaked out so he just brushed it off as my imagination but I know what I saw and I did research on the lake. It's called Priest Lake, and in French, Lac du Prêtre. I tried to find some history on, on that place, and I couldn't find anything of a little boy dying, a little boy drowning or anything. But So this is what I saw, and I thought it was, it was the first and the only time I saw what I think might be a ghost. It's a story that I like to tell, and it's an interesting story. If anybody has been to the area, I'd like to know, and if anyone... I've experienced the same thing. I'd definitely, definitely like to know. So that's my story. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, I love your podcast. Great work. And hopefully I can call back later with another story ever something happens to me. Thanks. Bye-bye. 
thank you caller. And no worries on your English. I'm convinced it's better than mine, and it's my only language. Now a yellow glowing ghost. That's something you don't recall hearing every day. My only thought is that it could have been some sort of reflection created on the window that our caller mentioned. Now, of course, that reflection may not have been visible until the friend turned off the light. But outside of that, I'm a bit stumped. So maybe one of our listeners out there has some sort of insight on this glowing, golden ghost. Thanks again, caller, for taking the time to share your story. And thank you for sticking around to the end of the program. Have a good night. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.